Okay guys, so we are going to talk about structuring your blog post for SEO for this week's audio snippet. Um, I have some resources that I'm going to link as well that are going to be very helpful to you. Um, a lot of them are already in the resource library. But this was a second topic that people had voted for and it kind of goes along the lines, <clears throat> excuse me, with pillar posts and content pillars. So first of all, I want to talk about why it's important to structure your blog posts. So here's the thing. You could use all the keywords and write specifically for your audience. That is use all the right keywords. But you won't rank well without structuring your blog post properly. It's kind of a science and I know people say that takes away some of the creativity, but you can still be creative. It's just that reaping the benefit of more traffic is totally worth it. So trust me, I don't like structure. I never used outlines through high school, um, college, until I got to my master's thesis and I kind of had to. So structuring your blog post is just really important overall for SEO. It makes it easier for search engines to crawl your website and to understand what your content is about and that makes it easier to rank you and so I want to go over the essential elements of a blog post you probably know a lot of these but I'm gonna kinda go in order as they are in your article so first you have the meta title and meta description your meta title is that text that links back to your website from search engines it really should be no more than 60 characters or close to that at least if it's too long, it'll get cut off in the SERPs, which isn't actually the worst thing, I guess, but it it doesn't look good. People won't get as much understanding of your content, I think, if a lot of it is cut off. Um, and SERPs, when I talk about SERPs, S-E-R-P-S, I'm talking about search engine result pages. So the meta description is usually around 150 to 160 characters, but not over 160 characters and I just wanted to make sure that I said the meta title should be no more than 60 characters I don't know if I said words but it's characters not words for both the meta title and the meta description because 60 words versus 60 characters is completely different so I'm talking about characters here for both of these and your meta description it tells readers and search engines basically what the content on that page is about and these are really critical elements for SEO because it helps Google index your content and the meta description is that little blurb that helps search engines summarize your content in the SERPs. Then you're going to have a featured image and that sets the tone for all of your content and it conveys the mood or message of your post. So for instance, if your article is five mistakes bloggers make, you may have a picture of a woman typing on a computer with a really worried look on her face or she may be pulling her hair out. And it appears at the top of your post, but it's also used in CMS systems, and that stands for content management systems, like WordPress, as a preview on your category pages or wherever you put your blog roll. So that's really important if you've ever noticed you go to somebody's website and it'll have like little images for each of their blog posts that you can click on, and, and that's what that featured image is, basically. Next, you have the introduction and 
you want a brief introduction that basically hooks your audience in and convinces them to read on that this article is worth reading. It will convey, excuse me, it will convey important information about what your article is about and then what they are going to learn if they read it. It also supplies search engines with context with the context of your blog post and sometimes it can even get used in feature snippets. Those are the little snippets that appear at the top of Google search results. And then you're going to have headings and subheadings or H2, H3, H4, etc. And these are important places to like put your keywords and your related your main keywords and your related keywords. They highlight those key points of your article and they also make your post skimmable because making it easy for readers to scan your post is important. Unfortunately, not everyone is going to sit down and read your post in depth. A lot of times people are scanning it to see if it's even something they're going to be interested in. So this is a really important part of that. And also, it makes your content easy to consume and the set headings and subheadings are important for the structure so that Google can find your keywords and then of course they make they break up your post making it easier to read and then there's the body which besides structuring your content the right way and putting your keywords in the right places you need to understand how to write engaging fun content that keeps people reading and I always like to say write like you're talking to your best friend or telling your best friend a story for the most part there are some niches where this may not work, where you need to be more professional, like the security industry. I wrote a lot of blog posts on security systems and all kinds of technology and things like that, and they just really were not fun, which is kind of why I don't do that anymore. But it was a much more professional tone, for sure. So, in writing the body of your blog post, to get your your content found by search engines you want to make sure that you're using internal linking because this shows you know the array of related content that you have and gives some more context to Google and then you want to use short paragraphs you don't want like five six seven long sentences of paragraphs and even a one sentence paragraph is okay once in a while which I found it really hard to get used to because that flies in the face of everything we learned in grammar but yeah some of those one sentence paragraphs can do like they can really highlight that one piece of information and then you want to make sure you structure the data logically like as I'm reading this through to you guys um, I'm doing it logically like how you would see it in your blog post you know you have the title and the meta description and then you have the featured image it would be kind of wonky if I started at the conclusion and went backwards I mean it could work but you see what I mean it's just easier for people to understand if you put it in a sequential manner and if you hear me rattling paper over here I actually have notes so that I don't forget things because sometimes my brain does that so if you hear pages rattling that's what I'm doing then there's also media like you know videos images social embeds they all play an important role too as you know Google and other search engines have those complex algorithms and when they're grading a piece of content to rank it they like to see supplementary content like custom graphics charts and tables screenshots infographics videos or images that supply context etc 
it's really important in the time of AI writing especially that Google sees that you're knowledgeable about what you're writing about and I'll give Mike I think it's Fudia he always went by Mike Pearson a stupid simple SEO but his real name is actually Mike Fudia he just started a grilling blog and for example when he was writing an article on how to clean your grill he literally went through step by step wrote what he did down then he took pictures of each part of the process and that's doing something that AI can't do AI does not actually have the product that you're reviewing it does not actually it may have not actually gone to you know Aruba on vacation if you're writing a vacation post so this is what's going to help you stand out and what a lot of SEO experts are saying this year for blogging like you need to show that you're knowledgeable you need to have bought a product if you're reviewing it take those screenshots make sure that you do everything possible to show that you are knowledgeable and you know what you're doing and also images or like infographics and things they provide a more engaging user experience they make your post more visually appealing and things like um, backlinks excuse me things like infographics encourage people to actually backlink to your website if you have this valuable infographic that they can share you're more likely to get people to do that and therefore backlink to your website and that's going to help you rank then you have FAQs or frequently asked questions and these are great to put at the end of your post right before the conclusion is where I usually put mine some people put them after the conclusion either one is fine but you can use the questions for people also ask that are found on Google to rank for more keywords and possibly get some featured snippets for those. that's what I try to do a lot of times so it also gives you a chance to get in more keywords and more topics related to your article um, these need to be short and concise answers you don't want them really long about 150 to 300 characters max and that's probably about three or four lines sometimes a little bit more and I suggest you do around three to five FAQs for posts you don't want to go crazy with it but if you have a super long post um, and these questions are all relative to what you're writing about then that's not a problem um, I suggest you use FAQ schema blocks which you may not know what that is but that's literally structuring it within your post for search engines to crawl it instead of just I used to just type mine in there um, but the schema actually makes it more scannable for search engines for the algorithm and for the, the bots that are crawling it so most SEO plugins like I have rank math it has one and then I'm pretty sure Yoast has it and most SEO plugins are going to have that schema block that you can use and add to your post then we have the conclusion and you want a strong conclusion that basically recaps the main post in the article it summarizes the information that you shared and with that you want a strong call to action you always want to add a CTA at the end of your post it's really important you want to tell your reader what to do next whether that is sign up for your freebie learn more about your course share your post on social media um, give them a question 
that they can answer in the bottom of the post or, or you know that they can reply to an answer like get them to engage with your content because that also sends social cues to Google saying hey people are engaging with this post it must have valuable content um, so that's really key because that's also going to get your readers to take that next step if they join your email list you're going to make money eventually if they buy your course you're going to make money like it all leads down the road to nurturing your audience and then getting them to buy from you at some point and then I want to talk about topic clusters because we already went over pillar posts and um, content pillars <laughs> I had a brain blank for a second so last week we talked about content pillars and pillar posts so along those same lines topic clusters are really similar while keyword research you know is absolutely critical for your success and if you can identify topic clusters for your niche you are golden these are clusters or groups of blog posts that go together and cover a broader topic in depth they are usually organized on one page that acts like a hub very similar to pillar posts they allow you to target a variety of low competition keywords so that once you start ranking for those then Google will rank you for the more difficult umbrella or broader keyword and that's why that works so well um, so there is a difference between a pillar page or post and topic clusters and I know you may be wondering that since they are very similar so a pillar page is a hub for a specific broad topic that links to multiple topic cluster pages and then the topic clusters are a more in-depth page that that pillar page is going to link out to that answers a specific question about that broader topic and links back to the pillar page so they kind of work together a broader topic could be freelance writing how to start a blog and I know Lena Gott who also teaches SEO she has adventures in SEO is her course that I took um, I can't remember exactly what it was but she has a topic cluster around kids printables and she has so many now that Google sees her as an expert and starts ranking her you know um, kids printables really quickly which can get more people on her email list and or buy any um, printables that she has for sale so it really works it sets you up as an expert in that niche and Google is more likely to rank you for other stuff it could also be like a content hub page for let's say different types of car insurance and then you would link out to guides or blog posts on those subtopics which are the different types of car insurance so there are some benefits of topic clusters and they are your content is organized better which helps readers it helps you and it helps Google crawl your pages it also improves your blog visibility because it is structured for search engines to crawl your website if your posts are not and pages are not structured correctly Google is going to have a hard time scanning them and understanding the context of what you're talking about or what you're an expert in and your content is not going to rank well this is why structure really comes into play and why there's kind of a science to it it also of course has improved SEO for all the things that we talked about it also allows you to have more in-depth comprehensive content which again is going to be very very helpful for the user experience people are going to want to stay on your blog and read it more and it will also allow you to rank for those broader more difficult keywords because 
Google will view you as an expert in that topic. You know, I'm not going to come out of the gate and rank for freelance writing. But if I write a whole bunch of posts under the topic of freelance writing, like I have a main page on that where I link to things like how to create a freelance writing contract that protects, how to create a portfolio, you know, everything that goes, you know, how to create a freelance writing website. All of those, if I write all of those posts, they help show Google that, okay, she knows what she's talking about when it comes to freelance writing. I did also want to give you some additional tips. So be sure to use related keywords. I know some people forget about that. They forget about their related keywords and they are just as essential because they also give context to um, readers and your search engines. And then use transition words that help people understand the relationship between your paragraphs and sentences so there aren't abrupt cutoffs. Um, and that helps people scan your content, read it better. Those would be words like finally, first of all, similar, however, etc. All those fun transition words we learned in English like a million years ago. And then make sure your posts are long enough. I'm not saying all of your posts need to be super long marathon posts like 5,000 words. It just, it doesn't have to be that way. Yoast recommends that they are at least 300 words long which I still think that's kind of short, but Yoast is an expert in that. I would definitely try to shoot for 500 or more at the very least, but you want to write. I write to answer the question or fill the topic that I am writing on completely. I write everything about it. I don't leave anything out, and so my posts tend to be really, really long. So tools like Surfer SEO and Phrase are really helpful for this because they'll analyze all the posts on page one and then give you a suggested keyword range, you know, like 1,000 to 2,050 words or something. Like it'll give you a range that you want to fall in between. Then you want to also post new content regularly. That's really important. And then use the right tools and plugins. Use ones that work for you. You need an SEO plugin on your blog like Yoast or Rank Math, and you can use the free versions of both of those. I had the paid version of Rank Math. Um, it really wasn't that much extra, so I went ahead and went back down to the free, and I'm perfectly fine with that. Um, Phrase and Surfer SEO are going to be... They are going to be more expensive, but they are going to help you optimize your posts. Like, as soon as I started using Surfer SEO, I'm telling you, I started ranking for posts much faster. You know, I got to page two or one within less than a week versus, you know, landing at 80 and then 75 and then 60 over months. Although some keywords, not all of it is going to be quick like that, but use these tools to your advantage because it takes a long time for us to analyze those posts ourselves so don't be afraid to use those tools it's not cheating you know they just are there to help you analyze what would be more difficult and time consuming for you so they save time which is money in the long run um and i'm trying to think and i keep if i'm saying rank seo that's actually a keyword research tool kind of um i meant rank math so I wanted to correct myself because I had a note here that said Rank SEO. It's not Rank SEO, it's Rank Math. That is my SEO plugin. I love it. More people use Yoast than Rank Math, but I love Rank Math for whatever reason. I just think it's better than Yoast and I just like it. So that's basically it. You know, we talked about the different elements of a blog post, you know, why it's important to structure it, 
you know, and I also went into topic clusters because I feel like that also has to deal with the structure of your content. So if you have any questions, please feel free to ask, you know, drop any questions under the post when I post it in the group. And I'm interested to see what you think or how this helped you understand um, structuring your blog post more. So I hope you have an awesome week ahead. I'll talk to you soon.